You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her guests from around the world will read and discuss various best-selling books with well-known authors. Every show will apply retention techniques designed to help you to absorb powerful knowledge to effectively change your life. Join us every week for a thought-provoking hour and re-listen as often as you can. You will be delighted by what you learn and you will be excited by the results. Are you ready to take the quantum leap? Here's Parisha. Greetings. This is Quantum League Book Club, and I'm your host, Parisha. And my co-hosts today are coming in from kind of all over the world. So we start with Rosemary Heyer, who will actually join us from Frankfurt, Germany. We have Joyce Molenhauer, who will be joining us from Arizona. And we have Marianne Love, who's actually in Melbourne, Australia. Okay, and we at we have Steve Jones, who's actually in Arizona as well, and we have Maria Jacques, who comes with us from Florida, Miami, Florida. In fact, we have Trina Cooper, who actually joins us from uh, Colorado, and we have Geraldine Dalby-Ball, who joins us from Sydney, Australia. So we do have some places around the globe covered here. We're, we're reading and actually enjoying very much The Gratitude Effect by Dr. John D. Martini. I'm very impressed with the man's dedication to uh, emphasizing the benefits and the reality of what love is. I want to say that we covered chapter two in our last uh, session, and I would like to make sure that you go to the end of the chapter in the book and actually look at all the wonderful work like actual personal work that you could do in journaling and that John puts together some questions that actually brings out the usefulness of what we've read to ourselves in the application in our own lives. So we do have the chapter two closing effects that we would be really good for you to look at. Okay. Uh, we agree that they help make things more important in our own growth than what we're doing with our life. And so we know that our listeners actually are people who are involved in change and transformation as well as application of values and definitely the, the particular principle of love. Love comes in many colors, many shades, and many textures. And in that, actually, what we find is a completion and a fulfillment of life. And until we actually can get a grasp of what we each individual determined as love. We're sort of still swimming, looking for, and seeking. So today we hope that those of you who are seeking will get a lot out of chapter three. We will begin with how to become a genius. Now, my thoughts, and I'm sure all my co-hosts share that, is we feel you're all geniuses already, okay? And that you're just sharpening your tool as far as what we could share with you today. Okay, so we're going to actually start with Rosemary Heyer, who's in Frankfurt, Germany. How are you today, Rosemary? I'm fine, thank you. Great. And what did you find in Chapter 3 that you feel could help us along our path? Well, there's so much in this chapter. It's amazing. And uh, uh, his, uh, his uh, knowledge is very dense, so he goes really deep. And... Uh, he, he says right away, uh, gratitude is the most powerful tool he discovered. 
And that's a big statement. If we look at usually how gratitude is handled, usually what we read in the media and on, on other places. But he, he, he clearly says that gratitude can help you on a spiritual quest uh, to see both sides and to see the divine order behind everything and to experience that you are always cared for, that you're always blessed. And the other part, important part, and that is really about the genius, is that it frees the potentials of your mind. So how does that happen? Uh, he uh, speaks about the highest value, that you are uh, focusing on your highest value and that you are grateful about having a highest value. What does that mean? Uh, for example, your goals, if you have a goal to be a musician and he's using a sample of a musician, who has had a, a difficult time in his life, and he is really uh, uh, not knowing, not able anymore to write any songs. So he works with some quality questions. De Martini works with quality questions, and one of the questions he offers is: Have you really been grateful for your challenges? And uh, what are the benefits of your challenges? So it's a different way to look at things like to find the positive in the negative, to see both sides. And that brings you in a balanced situation about yourself and about life. Not only that, if you go really deeper and it's not easy to look at the benefits, if you're really upset about something like the musician, he wasn't, didn't know how to get out of this hole he got into. And you don't want to really look at it because usually what we do is we emotionally react to that situation and we try to push it away. But he says, keep looking, keep looking for the benefits. And the more you look, something reveals itself and you see a divine order behind all the things which happened to you. And you realize that it wasn't bad, the situation. It was not that you're missing something. You actually transferred your energy to some other focus. In this case, the musician was focusing on his family more and his own development. And I'm looking at my situation right now, and I'm looking very much on my own development instead of being out there in the world and having big projects. And that is really important to realize that we're never wrong and there's never something wrong with us because there's always both sides and everything is in divine order. How freeing is that? And, and he really makes a very big point about that, that we are always seeing both sides. And I remember he always shares, he also shares about uh, what was important for me. I remember many things grandmother teached us, uh, how he says that, uh, that, to see both sides, you will have to notice that the other reflects a part of you. And I remember grandmother many years ago said to me, you know, you can only see uh, the negative thing in someone else because it's inside of you. You only can see that that person is annoying you and is controlling you or whatever you're upset about. That's also a part of you. And I was really upset about that first when I heard that because like me, I'm like that person who I don't like, you know? So you're opening something to a balanced and a whole holistic view, or how you want to say it, in a spiritual view, and you really can expand into the divine orders of things when you allow yourself to see the other one in the reflection. And then he also speaks about that he experienced that psychology usually and sociology and 
uh, religion has a tendency to see everything very positive. And that bothered him a lot in his work because everybody was trying to stay positive. And that is an opinion. I never heard it before so clearly uh, that, that it's not about being positive. It's about being balanced. It's about acceptance because we are living in a world of good and bad. And also grandmother teached us about how much she sometimes appreciates, and that sounds really strange, that she appreciates that there is some negativity so she can be really positive. And I was wondering why I was reading that, that maybe the reason why we hear so much negative things, so much negative stuff is coming up right now in our media is because uh, there's a lot of positives happening. A lot of positive things are happening quietly. People are actually uh, evolving quietly and there's a lot of change inside of us. And outside, it looks like everything is negative, but there must be a balance. And I think the balance is that we are all moving into our highest good. And what I got out of the questions, which he um, also shows on page 88 and 89, and um, to become a genius, is that I really have some uh, have to explore more, uh, what is it really my highest value? What is it I really, really want? And he talks about the intuition who speaks to you all the time, trying to bring you into the balance of yourself. And I, I understand, maybe grandmother, you can correct me, that the intuition is really your soul. It's really, and so I'm going to finish now with that idea that I'm going to explore that more. Okay, very, very good. You made some very, very vital points. Glad to hear that. And uh, I agree. I'm so happy to finally see someone else in the positive spiritual teaching world that actually understands the importance of the fact that we live in the field of duality. And in the field of duality, the negative balances the positives and the positive develop definitely balances the negative. So when we start making fault with ourselves and dwelling just on the negative, we're going to complicate problems for sure, but we're not going to put ourselves in a hopeless situation because you have to have both. You will not have the balance and the harmony. I mean, you know, when we talk positive and negative. We, we don't even entertain the word harmony, but harmony is what comes out of the balance of that. And you, as you're dealing and actually finding what you can celebrate in something negative or what we would call bad or whatever, you're actually allowing harmony. And that's that's the definite picture we want to see here. And let's go and see what Joyce Mullenhauer there in uh, Kingman, Arizona, has to say about Chapter 3. Joyce, you there? I sure am. Yes, this uh, chapter, even just at the beginning of it, associating genius and gratitude just gave me an opportunity to think about this. There was no part of me in the past that would have thought if I become a person that lives in gratitude, I can get access to my genius. And this is what the, to me was the profound part of this whole chapter. He's inviting us to recognize that each of us has genius and we can do this through being grateful. Well, that sounds simple if that's been a natural part of your life. But life has tends to have, or our culture, at least in, in the United States, tends to be find it easier to dwell on what's not positive. So I love the fact that he shared his history of 
putting a lot of time into being part of every organization that dwelled on being positive, always be positive. And he couldn't figure out how come he was feeling. And he did this for some time. He was feeling something was missing, that he wasn't feeling grateful all the time. He wasn't always positive all the time. So it was just a huge insight for me to, to just have him reflect on what his experience was in that and the courage it took for him to admit in front of an audience, I am not going to teach you only about the positive. I'm going to teach you about positive and negative. And some of the audience left. So it was a turning point in his life and a real example of courage that we all can grab hold of. We don't have to go along with what the normal so-called idea of life is about. Some of it hasn't made any sense. And each of us individually have questioned, why doesn't this fit? Why isn't this making sense to me? So he talks about self-confidence becoming from what matters most. And I love his example when he talks about sending thank you notes to a person that goes to a party and comes away bored out of their mind. But they recognize that it's supposed to be a good thing to send a thank you note. And he, he says that the person in this example wrote note after note and kept throwing them in the garbage because they, he didn't have any natural way of saying thank you to something that was boring. So then he, he went to a party that he just had a wonderful time at. He interacted with people. He came away feeling enthusiastic about life. And when he wrote that thank you note, that just flowed very, very easily. So this was an example of paying attention to our own gut feeling. At least this is how I interpret what he's, what he's teaching us here. Pay attention. It's okay that there's two sides. We don't have to say we're a bad person because we had a negative thought here or there. And maybe on some days more than here and there that may be predominated. But you can look at your day at the end of the day and do it different tomorrow. So maybe tomorrow will be more positive. But in the end, if we reach harmony and balance, how much better a world can we make? So his thank you letters was really a good one. So to have fulfillment in life, gratitude leads us to getting our own genius. And such an interesting idea that we all have genius. I was raised with thinking a genius was someone like um, Einstein, who contributed major change in life. I, I really recognized I had restricted my interpretation of genius. Well, once we recognize we each have our own individual genius, think of every if every family, every parent looked at their individual children, it doesn't matter if they have one child, four children, whatever, that each of them have their own genius. And they just were always open to recognizing that, encouraging that. Again, what a difference that could make in families. So those were kind of the lead things that I really got impacted on in this chapter. Okay, really, really good. Okay, our board lit up when you said that 
United States has all the negativity. We had definite response on the board here. So I think that we're saying that right now, the United States, like all the countries around the world, are experiencing an, an overage of negative stuff going on in the governments and the changes. So we're not trying to say any and finger any particular people as less spiritual. Okay. I apologize we're- for that. I didn't mean to finger anybody. <laughs> Basically, too, what we want to look at here is when we're saying genius, yeah, I like the fact that you used Einstein because definitely he's a global figure. But when we see the Einsteins and the particular people who stand out as making some huge donation through science discoveries of other sort, okay, those are exceptional PR and marketing people, okay? Because as far as I'm concerned, is it, the people that I've associated with in my years, many years now, 70 years of work, okay, is that they're all geniuses because, yes, they are doing that and then some. They didn't have to just come by making a particular scientific step. But on an everyday basis, every human being shows their genius by how they actually live and get through and go through their life, okay? And I've never found it hard to see the genius in humanity. I've actually seen it in such levels of where the extraordinary never gets kind of put into print and maybe their name doesn't fall in the history book. But here's where in the universal collection of what life is, definitely every human being makes an impact. And the effects that every human being has on what we consider the field of life, there is definitely geniuses in great number. And uh, I love the fact of watching people come today to actually being challenged in what's going on in our world. And, And I agree there is a negative situation going on globally. And that in that we are seeing many genius opportunities coming forward with people trying to find solutions to that without actually determining that war is the answer. So sooner or later, we had to come to a place to where we would look for alternatives to disagreements and uh, opposites. So I think it's a wonderful time to see how we will come through this and actually come to a peaceful, harmonic decision. We're going to go now and let Marianne Love in Melbourne, Australia, give us her review of Chapter 3. Marianne, you there? Yeah, I am. And there's so many things in this chapter that, especially as a therapist, like he's given lots of really great little tips of how to do the questioning style to help people overcome their stuck thinking patterns. So any therapists out there, I highly recommend this book. Um, But one of the things, just on the point you were making about us all being genius, I think he gives a really great example of that on uh, about himself in this book on page My book says page 47, but I know that I've got a different um, addition to some. So some of you might have a different um, page number out there, but it's the story about how he learned to read. Now, this guy, when he was young, he got told basically that he wasn't intelligent and that he, he basically couldn't read. And so like when you see where he is today from this person that couldn't read up until adulthood, it's actually quite profound. And he explains his journey to learning to read. And it simply started with him picking up a gardening book where it was mostly a picture book. 
And from that, he got the passion that he could. It's sort of just this little step that made him feel like this is possible. He could actually learn to read. And um, using the same principles he's teaching, like the affirmations of linking this to his higher purpose and value, and that he could use that to keep pushing through. It must have been hard. He had to, he got a dictionary. He learned 30 words a day. He'd get on the phone to his mum and his mum would ask him the meaning of those words and he'd explain the meaning. So that's the principle of sharing what you're learning and then you'll learn it more, which he also talks about in this chapter. And he used his own affirmations to, and he ended up becoming a speed reader. He's read thousands and thousands of books and used an affirmation that he has a photographic memory, an autographic memory. And he finds that because of his own affirmations, he's able to read these books. And, and even though, how I've understood it, he doesn't necessarily have conscious recollection in the moment that he's read it. He says later, parts of those books come out and it's actually all there for him. He's got access to all the information that he needs and it's there when he needs it. So I think his own journey um, is a powerful one, really, that we're all capable. If he can go from not reading to becoming a writer, a teacher, linking it, this learning to his passion to be a teacher, then, you know, what are we all capable of that we think we're limited by um, and yet it's just a story? It's really, really good. I love the points you've made. And I have to say that one of the things in the early years in the 1990s of when I met John personally, even then he had, I watched how he had pulled something out of his backpack as far as a book and how he treasured it. It was unmarked. It was like new, you know what I mean? And it was a book that he had had for a while, just just the respect that he has for the written word that comes from what we would have considered a very bad time. You know what I mean? Actually how that become what actually put him into developing who he has become. So we we need to look at whatever we're looking at in our life and, and thinking, oh my God, everything's going wrong or the world is against us or I can't do anything right or whatever those made up horror stories are okay we need to look at that and and instead of going through the opposite way ask what am i learning here you know what is this about what is the matter i love years ago i had been working with the people with edgar casey's foundation that edgar casey was famous for saying what is the matter here meaning actually the physical matter m-a-t-t-e-r meaning what's going on in the physical sense of what's here and I've used that all the rest of my life. I've used that. And it comes, it always shows up and shows me what is the point here and what is trying to get through. And, and most of the time what with myself, I find out how many other times this has actually come up, not as severe maybe as what I'm facing right now, but that somewhere else, you know, along the line, this kept trying to show up and I paid not enough attention. And now it's right here in my face. I can't get away from it. So I think that if we start looking at the fact that we, the, what we're calling life is actually the institution of learning life and how we can actually contribute to the evolution of life, then we'll see pretty much where people like John Martini live and think and abide. We're going to move now and let Steve Jones uh, share with us what he got out of the program. Steve, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, I found the uh, chapter really 
you know, the things that stood out to me was he's really showing people how to find kind of like your purpose or what you value. And, and by, by looking at what you are good at, what you're, you know, what you concentrate on, you can really find what matters to you. Uh, he, he was dealing with a, a little boy and having some problems in school. And he, you know, he asked him, you know, where are you better? Where are you, you know, better and smarter than the other kids? And, you know, his, his thing was skateboarding. And he said, so if there was a, a school just for skateboarding, wouldn't you really like that? You know, and of course he did. But I, I think that just shows we can all find when we identify what really excites us, then, then we can, we, we're really going toward what we value and what he points out that if it's not exciting, you, it's really not, you know, it's not something that you value at the time. And one of the questions he asked is, and this was related to his reading, but you can really apply it to anything is, what is this reading, uh, you know, specifically this material, you know, how's that going to connect me with my highest values? How is it going to help me achieve my most inspiring dreams and i think it's you know like a really obvious question because when you think about those times that you know that you should have done something and you know it's going to benefit you and you know it's going to help you but then for some reason you don't end up doing it you know when you look at that it's, it's because you're really not believing it at the time you're not invested in what you're going to get out of it so that question really gets you in touch you know with why you should do something and what, how it's going to be benefit you and get you excited just, you know, in anything that we, we sit down to do, if we're not excited about it and looking forward to it, then we're not, we're not clear in our mind and uh, what we're going to get out of it. So it's kind of, it, it helps us believe, it kind of uh, makes us believe by, by the, the dialogue uh, in, in what we're doing. So we kind of review what, what we're going to get out of it and how it's going to benefit us. And then therefore, when we go into that activity, we're going to be excited about it. And he, you know, he talks about when you're excited about it, then you retain it because it's interesting to you. If you, if you're not excited, it just goes and you, you know, you don't even remember it. And it also gives an intention as to why you're going into it. So you know why you're going into it. You know where you're going to get out of it. You're enthusiastic. And it's, you know, it's really great, a really great question to ask for everything that we do. Um, a couple of the other things that, that I saw was, and, and that was on page 29, that question, um, is how su success comes in different forms. And although we uh, may be, you know, disappointed with how something worked out, we have to, it's just that we're not appreciating the value of what what we got out of the experience we're expecting a certain something to come it didn't come it's like oh well that didn't work out so well but if you look at what actually did happen there is value in that and so when you can look at that find that value then that kind of resentment you can resolve that resentment and just move on that things didn't work out the way you thought it would um and when he talks about what's your favorite lie that you know, we have so many beliefs that are limiting to us uh, that uh, that uh, we've picked up through the through the years that we think just like Marianne was saying that he couldn't read. Well, he changed that script and then and changed it to where I'm I'm not just a good reader. I'm a, have a photographic memory. I have all these things that you know are exceptional. 
and uh, th that was that was very uh, uh, interesting to me as well. Um, again, basically getting clear of what we're getting from something and know how it's going to help us is uh, and and turns everything from you know something that might be we think is a drag into something that we're really motivated and we're sitting on the edge of our seats and we're interested in and, and fully present. So that was that was some good things and good questions that he pointed out for me. Yeah, very, very good. I like that point. Okay. And when we're we're seeking, and I, I get that so often from people, I'm trying to find my purpose. Well, you see, your purpose is undefined. Okay. And because if you just use logical understanding, when you think about every human being has a different fingerprint. Okay. How, how many people are we? How many humans are on this planet? And every fingerprint different. So who are you going to role model yourself by? Okay. So the whole point of the discovery, and John makes that very clear in going through what some may actually see as his handicaps. Okay. Each one of them being, even our situations, whether we consider them problems or situations, I choose them as situations. But if it's a problem, you're being given something, you're being showed something, something is making a point. And if we intelligently look at it that way, well, then we don't start magnifying or creating effects that's way beyond necessary, okay? And that purpose that we're seeking is unique to you. And as you take on all of the particular challenges that are helping mold and model what that is, then you find what it is that excites you and just comes naturally. But it's just like with diamonds, with precious metals or anything, there's a tempering that has to take place and in it, the discovery of oneself. And when we find it, it, does, it whatever we're doing that we love doesn't come with effort. So it doesn't burn energy, it creates energy. And when we create that, we make a difference in everything around us. And that's what that's basically what all of the gratitude effect is based on. Okay, we're going to move on now and go to Maria Jacques in Miami, Florida. Maria, how are you doing and what did you get out of Chapter 3? Great. Like everyone said, this is an amazing chock full of information chapter. I love how he addresses the two main things that, point, that came up for me, which is how he talks about our values in relation to gratitude and the concept of duality, as you were mentioning earlier and how everything is in divine order. And when we can see that, how we truly can be in gratitude. And, th and that's what releases the genius. The whole title of the chapter is the genius in us is because we're not sitting in judgment. Um, and we have that extra energy to actually access that energy. But what in the beginning of the chapter, he and I want to repeat the question that Steve said, because it was really important, I think, and it, and it stood out for me. He said that before you learn anything new or read anything new, that to ask that question, and I started to ask myself that question, how does reading this material connect with my highest values, and how is it going to help me achieve my dreams? So I used it to just something as simple as I have to take a course in medical errors, which is not of interest to me. But I had to apply, I applied this question and it started to shift um, shift the my perception of taking this course. It's, it's going to help me achieve 
I need to renew my license, basically. And, you know, he addresses that in that that simple question, but it's such a powerful question. And then, you know, further in the chapter on page 83 in the section where he talks, that's titled, But I Am Not Worthy, he actually tells you how, even if you have a low value and it's a low priority, how you can make it a top priority. You know, he says that there's three states that we are usually in, and that's either we're beating ourselves up, we can build ourselves up to where we think we're better than others, or we can be balanced and see that everyone is a reflection of us. And then he he used the example of the skateboarding student who wasn't doing good in school. But the exercise that he says in this section that was really key and also very, very, very stood out for me is that obviously we're only going to be confident in the areas that are of high interest to us. But how do you reverse that? And what he says, what he said, the key is, is to link the lower priorities to the higher ones because you won't succeed at something that you're interested. But then he said, how you bump these things up is that you stack up the benefits of doing something. And he said, not just 10 times. And he said, a hundred times. And when he said that, it was like a hundred times. Oh my God. But I thought about it. And it's like, if you can bump up something that's a low priority on your value system a hundred times, then you're going to see the gratitude. And that's the key. That is, and he said, write down how it will, how it will serve your highest objective. That, that, that takes you into that. He, he mentioned that aha moment of realizing, okay, I, I can do this. I can turn this around, which I've been challenged recently in doing. And, it was really a challenge to say, okay, how am I going to do this a hundred times? Bump it up, bump it up a hundred times. So it was a really very powerful um, little exercise there in that section. And there's a lot more that we can comment on and I'll wait till the comment section so that we can talk more about it. All right. Very good. Thank you very much, Maria. All right. We're going to go to Trina Cooper in Denver, Colorado. So how are you today, Trina? And what did you make of this chapter? I am great and grateful for being on the show today. And um, what I found in this chapter, I just thought it was fascinating. But the very first thing I needed to do was word clear genius. I needed to look up the definition of genius because he's trying to tell us how do you become one. And I was like, I'm not even sure I could give a definition of what that is. And the one that I found was from the Oxford languages. It says exceptional intellectual or creative power or other natural ability. And I went, wow, sure enough, since each of us is so unique, since each of us has our own natural abilities and each of us has our own creative powers, the things that we like that we can bring to the world, then we really are all geniuses. It's just we haven't quite figured that out yet. Or we've looked at that old definition of a genius has to be that Einstein or whatever someone else had said, I was like, no, we're a genius in our own right. And if we really dig in, and this is one of the pieces he really shared was, if we dig into it, and we find it, and we expand it, and we share it, then our genius is going out into the world. So that was really um, 
exciting to me to read that. And on page 60, he said, anything that involves the mind is affected by gratitude. That was another profound statement for me. Because just by switching to gratitude, whether it's positive or negative, whether we find something that's incredible, or we find something that is the teeny little lesson in that, and we're grateful for that experience, our mind embraces it and makes it um, so much bigger, so much better. Um, also, as we moved through the chapters and stuff, I really began to realize that, you know, we stop ourselves. And I think we've heard this a hundred times, a thousand times. What I love is that we're the ones that stop ourselves. We're the ones that block the genius. We're the ones that really need to explore who we are, go into the good and the bad, as he as he shared. And in the section that says um, what happens when we don't listen to our intuition, he just focused on the positive for a long time. And then he noticed he was moody and he couldn't understand why um, he couldn't always be on that one side of positive, but he had these negative moods and things like that. And he literally used himself to explore for two years, four times a day, noting what his mood was, both on a spiritual, mental, vocational, financial, familial, social, and physical level, all seven of those levels. He looked at for two years, four times a day. And at the end of it, he went, wait a minute. Sometimes I'm a little off this way. Sometimes I'm a little off that way. This is all on page 77, by the way. Um, he's like, I'm not one-sided. I'm both sides. And it comes back into a balance. So let's embrace both sides. Let's embrace balance. Let's embrace the wholeness of who we are. And... I thought, that's just brilliant. It's so brilliant to be in that place of going, you know, no matter where I am, it's perfect, just the way it is. No matter who I am, I'm perfect, just the way I am. I always have that ability to shift and change my values, shift and change what I want to do. And then on page 88, he says, when our intuition is at work, our intuition is at work trying hard to get us to be centered balanced, authentic, and inwardly grateful. So we just have to tune into that inside a little bit and really pay attention to those nudges that we're getting and really love and have gratitude for ourselves and who we are. And that's, that's what I wanted to share. That's really very powerful. I have found in my many years of working with people and, and teaching is how the minute you start helping a person see clarity because I mean most of the time when people come to me it's about helping them get to wherever it is they say they want to be and one of the first things that has to happen obviously is the evaluation of what is in order to compare where it is you want it to go and how everybody sees that as a negative I remember in my lifetime, especially with my elders and being raised very much in a Cherokee community and working with native perspective is that factual. And I find that people in Europe have a, a greater sense of just saying things as they are, just it, it is what it is, okay? And how there's no need to put it in some kind of flowering denial or pretentious whatever. And so 
whenever there was a something, each each of us sharing where it is we want to go or what it is we want to be or what we're even trying to make happen. And that when the elders, when we would see our elders, our elders would say something to us, remind us that we were out of character for whatever that was. I don't remember ever, and I and I was one that definitely required a lot of direction and attention because I, I just saw everything in a Pollyanna kind of world. And having to bring things back to the definite need of actually applicating, you know, applying every day an effort to get food and actually have the things that most people take for just granted, okay? And how I never saw it as negative. Yes, corrective, but not negative. Yes, definitely a different point of view than what I'm trying to look at or say for myself, but seeing it from another person's perspective, I never saw it as negative. And I have definitely worked very much into the field of being upfront, what I call upfront, and it is what it is, that people take that immediately as criticism, a negative, and become defensive instead of open to evaluate and move forward. And I see what John says and brings here that actually the inner part of ourself, when we're saying it is a change we want, when we're defining that something isn't and it isn't the way we want it to be, that then we have to look at change. And change means different. Okay. Change doesn't mean the same. It means different. And when we're going to take on something different, then we have to look at the particular truths or facts on what is present instead of. And so in doing that, we become very, very definitely, I, I feel it injures, we're injuring ourselves by seeing ourselves as wrong. No, we're not wrong. We're in a place where we don't want to be. No, there's nothing bad about it because we didn't know any better. But when we make those choices to be something or take on something or evolve ourselves in something, then we have to look at the fact that there's going to be change. And that change says we need to look at it very pure and very factually and make that change and do it with gratitude. Gratitude meaning to appreciate and respect all the input that that's going to take. And I watch how he sees and brings it all back around to actually seeing it in the gratitude effect that we begin to see the respect and love in it as well. And that's exciting to see because with all of our listeners and the many questions that you bring to me and, and ask of us, again, you're trying to think and put yourself as being wrong. And I've actually had people say, I feel I'm very bad with my relationship that no, Okay, we're not going to make that bad. Obviously, something not comfortable, something not desired. But obviously, if you're willing to see it and you already know it doesn't fit, it doesn't make it bad. It just says, okay, you want to make change into something else. And that can be easily done with the genius that you are. And so we become kinder in evaluating what we want and the changes that will be necessary to get that does not make us wrong, okay? So we're going to move on to Geraldine Dalby-Ball in Sydney, Australia. Geraldine, how's it down there, and are you there? I am here, and it's a lovely, crisp winter morning. It's been quite cool today, but the sun is shining and blue, so lots to be grateful for. Yes. 
Uh, a key thing that stood out for this chapter relates to what you were just talking about as well with um, the, you know, how do we look at ourselves? And a reason for that is also as as this chapter starts, that there's this thing called quantum non-location or there's no boundaries. And what he's saying here is if you're thinking about somebody else, well, one, if you're in the same proximity as someone else, you're picking up on each other with your senses. Your feeling, uh, maybe the perfume that they smell, that they've got. You're you're at that level of interaction. And as he says, when there's someone you really love, they could be on the other side of the world. You have that ability to completely be present there as well. So it's a little lesson that as we as we acknowledge that we realize there aren't boundaries, so that we then expand our awareness as we expand our awareness we also expand our sphere of influence so for anybody who wants to expand your sphere of influence it comes back to what we've been talking about the real importance of how do you feel about yourself how do you feel about embracing both sides you know as we've been as we've been listening and Trina just mentioned as well how do we embrace that part that is so-called negatives it's not about trying to get rid of half of yourself, which it says here. So one of the reasons is to say, if I want to be a person of influence, if, I want, if I've got a vision of how the world could be, then I'm going to have to be that to myself. And this links into what you've been hearing today um, through Grandmother Parish and the co-host, that we, we need to acknowledge that we will be the best we can when we link whatever we're doing with our highest values so in this case even if it's not a particular career or it's not a particular outcome that you want if and most people say they'd like to do this if you're just wanting to be a better person it starts with embracing both sides of yourself and making everything you do having a shower brushing your teeth choosing your food make everything you do have a link to what your values are and if you do that then you'll have an easier time of being grateful for absolutely everything you do. With that, you'll then have more what he called positive thinking, but it's not about getting rid of negative thinking. So as we look through uh, the chapter, he's saying that he had a dedication to his study. As you heard, there was some situations with reading and being told that he wasn't very good, that he probably wouldn't read, and that was there as a belief. So how many beliefs do we have? I then had to look at myself. How many beliefs do I have that I've still allowed to be there? Not to make myself wrong, <laughs> but to say, where am I compared to where I'm going? And realize that he, he said he asked himself two questions a night because it's about the reading. What did I do well in my reading today? And what didn't go so well in my reading today? And again, not to beat himself up on what he didn't do, but as it said, to then compile what worked acknowledge it's there but compile what worked so every single day he compiled what worked for where he was working from and then linked that again to the goals and what he noticed is what he was grateful for in learning with the reading he remembered more easily and he said he just got to the point of stopping second guessing and knowing that if he read it then it was there when he needed it and as he said, he'd do a seminar and find that a piece of information would come from something that he had read. So, again, being grateful for the information that he'd read meant it was there 
more accessible, and his brain worked better. He says that. When I was grateful for the information that I read, it was completely available to him. So they're, they're key points, and I'll just um, – I'd like to do one of the quotes that he said because I think this is a nice place to ponder as well. It says, this is uh, Dr. Joe Martini's quote, with gratitude your mind becomes the best place around to spend your time in. And in that, if we really would love to spend time in our own minds, we want them to be cleaned up. We don't want our minds to be a place where we go and there's a judge in there and a critic in there and all that. We go because our mind is our creative space that creates these visions. We have confidence in what we know and we are worthy. As it said, there's that section there about worthy. It doesn't even need to be a question of worthy or not. And that's part that I found per- personal. I found that this that thing of, oh, well, I can have this. If I have done that, then I can have this, the worthy thing. And to be able to just, as it says, embrace yourself and know that it's not even about worthy. There's no adding up this versus that, therefore you get that. (laughs) It's just being grateful for everything you have, and that creates an outcome. And as I started with, it creates an outcome not only with you but non-locally. So as you do this for yourself, it expands. And if you want to be a person of influence, check your own mind because that is what is going out there. Yes, very, very much so. And when we, you know, like even here, and I'm seeing it, you know, we're we're taking issue with the word worthy, okay? So then we know that that's a sore place or what I call a button, okay? And we want to deal with that. It's sort of like continuing to read without understanding a word, okay? When we have a word that somehow or another brings the uncomfortable uh, reaction or effect for us, We need to look at that because within that, we find exactly what it is that we need to polish and look at. Again, when you are actually evolving and determining a direction or a path, if you want to call it that, or change your life and career, okay? Change is the word, all right? Change means doing it different. Change means it's not going to be the same, okay? Change means something's going to have to go away. Okay, and those are the usually the reasons that we saw fall short on something. But if you know the point is you want to feel worthy, he says worthy isn't the what important. Yes, it is. Self worth is everything. If you don't feel it, you are going to continue to try to achieve it. But you already have it. If you're breathing, your heart's beating, and you're in life, you already have worth. Now, what do you want it to be? Go back to the what and define yourself as to what you feel will make you happy. And here's where the other truth and change comes in. Maybe what you're saying you want to be is someone else's description. Maybe it's someone else imposing on you an impression that you ought to be this or you should be or you need be or whatever. Okay, is it really the choice you make? One of the things that John's work shows very clearly is self-discovery in the process of it and the worth of self in the process of it, okay? By gratitude, appreciating where we need to start, okay? I was fortunate enough to have a trainer and an elder that demanded failure every day of my life. And as children, we were sent out 
because by the time we're four years old, we are expected to put food on the table or we don't have the privilege of sitting at the table. However harsh that might be to you, it has given me the ability to feed thousands of more other than my own table, okay? So every day we brought, we come back, we had to share and was it, there was much excitement made of it. What didn't work? What did you discover? So knowing that we went out with our minds full of what we thought we were going to do or what we thought we were going to find and how it was going to happen and so forth and not, okay, is just normal. Human beings, we make assumptions and believe and think. So we actually set up a thought and say, we're going to control it's going to happen this way. So what it proved to me is what we thought we came back with things that went wrong or failure. We discovered what we didn't know. That was all it was. It, the value of it is that we now know more than we went out knowing. So failure to me was never uh, falling away or falling down or something bad or whatever. Failure simply meant it didn't go the way that I thought it would because I didn't know all the circumstances or I didn't know all that I needed to know because this is how it's going to be. So the worth of what we were taught as children was how did we handle the difference of the, the failure? How the failure was nothing other than a way to show our strategy and our genius. We already knew what we knew that was accepted, okay? You had a little bucket, you're going to go out, you're going to pick some berries, or you're going to pick certain whatever's that's in the forest, or you're going to bring something back from the river, whatever. You got your little bucket, you know you, this is where you're supposed to go, and over there is where you're going to find whatever you can bring to the table. But then we don't have the understanding of what, what lies there and what all's around there and everything else. So every day we came back with just hundreds of stories of things that said it, it didn't work. And so we were definitely encouraged with, with an excitement. Then what was it? What did you see? What, what was that? Well, it, it, you know, it didn't work because I did this and I did that. And that's what I thought would do it. And then, you know, and, and it will, we begin to see that the excitement of seeing what happened was there was no wrong. Okay. There was just details needed. And I've definitely seen that in training and working with others that it's through our failure that we succeed and how people are afraid of failing, and how some people were whipped or beaten or spanked because they failed. And that's just so foreign to me, because it's through our failures that we get the extended education of finding out what we didn't know. And that coming back gives the quality of more knowledge and teaches us to be good strategists, to actually know that no matter what shows up, we can look at it with our genius and find another way. We can find how that now helps us see this and this now helps us get that. And, and without that failure, we don't have that quality and that sense of worthy. Worthy means that I can do it the way it needs to be done for me. And so I want to make sure that we don't continue to feed. And I, I do that, though I respect John very much. When we start saying it's not about feeling worthy, yeah, it is. Okay, feeling worthy is about a lot to me. 
knowing that I know what I can do and I can expect the outcome comes from the many mistakes of getting there. And that makes me worthy of the challenge. Okay, so we have maybe five minutes here. Does anyone want to sum up a particular ending to what you said? You got a minute. I'll go. And I, this is Trina in Denver again. And I had written down a couple things and all of a sudden my intuition or in my head pops the song. I'm a genius and I know it. Clap my hands. I'm a genius and I know it. Clap my hands. I'm a genius and I know it and I'm not afraid to show it. I'm a genius and I know it. Clap my hands. That's all I I had to go with it. (laughs) All right. I want to draw your attention, those of you reading. And again, I appreciate that Marianne Love shared that her particular edition is different than the one that most of us are working from. But on page 89, which would be at the end of chapter three in whatever book you have, there's actually a page, two pages of questions where John actually sums up what what we got out of this chapter. And I love the way he comes. The very first question is, what did I learn today that I can be grateful for? Okay. And the next question is, what is my intuition revealing to me today? You know, to sit down and journal and put that kind of stuff together actually allows you to walk away with something. Okay, and to actually see where you go with that. And what he does is he follows those questions with affirmations and applications that you can make. And and at the actually end of it, he has a thing that he calls take the first step. And he actually helps you, inspires you to actually take whatever this chapter's basic effect to be and move forward with it. So please join us with your book and make notes in your book as you can. And definitely go to our Facebook and give us your comments and your remarks so that we can see more of what we can do because our particular wish and desire is how can we help you, okay? Love you very much. Have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next time on air. Thank you. OCO. Thank you for listening to Quantum Leap Book Club. For more information where you can contact us, go to LOARadioNetwork.com forward slash quantum hyphen leap. Have a great week.